every day brings us closer. Closer to the moment when the next generation of NFL stars learn their destiny. And franchises try to lay the foundation for the next dynasty. With the first pick. This is First Draft. Now alongside NFL Draft Insiders Mel Kuyper Jr. and Todd McShay, here's Chris Sproul. We survived. I'm Chris Sproul. Mel Kuyper and Todd are here. We survived. Chance Podcast meeting in Indy. And Mel, you're back in one piece. Yes, I am. I'm ready to go. Yep. So I'm up close. Guys, this is a fun combine. I read your excellent recap of it on ESPN.com. Uh, and one thing... You know, Todd mentioned the speed all over the place. Uh, we, you know, we had some, we had some really impressive kind of lock it in performances from the defensive linemen. You know, Todd, one thing I love about the combine is when you watch a guy all year and you take time in January and February and watch the tape and the guy goes and works out and you're like, ah, that, I'm so glad because that's what I thought I saw. And a guy like Quinn and Williams at over 300 pounds running at about four eight. With a great 10 yard split. I'm just leading off right there because I get it. Quarterbacks maybe go one, two in this thing, but if at the top of my board, Quinnen, uh, Bosa, those guys proved it. And I, it's so nice when it actually matches the tape. What, what, what leads off for you in terms of just most impressive at the top of your board? I think the, the defensive front seven was really the story. That and, and a surprising wide receiver group that had nine guys run sub four fours in comparison there was only one a year ago dj chark from lsu so you can see the difference already in speed and it's the in the last 15 years i think it is now this is 20 so 16 years it's the fastest group if you you take the average of all the 40 yard dashes for wide receiver and i never would have guessed that but then going back to the defensive front seven i mean it was just it was such a track meet the big guys were just racing down the the 40 yard dash line and and then everything else they did too like the numbers were just so good across the board and then the linebackers that we knew there were a few really good special ones and and they showed up i mean Devin White running the time that he did and and coming out of LSU just absolutely locks down that that number 1 off the ball linebacker type and um you know across the board he was 237 6 feet tall he runs the the four four two, the fastest of the of all the linebackers this year. Had a thirty nine and a half inch vertical, and and ran a four one seven in the the short shuttle. That's like those are wide receiver numbers, man. And and he's two thirty seven playing playing Mike linebacker. So uh, he was impressive. I thought Devin Bush was was equally impressive. You know, I, I thought White with his workout would kind of walk away from him and, and create some separation. But I don't. I mean, I think White's a better player. But not by much. And if you can get Bush at pick 20 versus White at pick 10, somewhere in that range, I don't know that you're getting much less of a player. He ran a 4-4-3 at, at uh, 234 pounds. So it's basically identical numbers. 40-and-a-half-inch vertical, which is better, a better broad jump, uh, a better three-cone. So pick your poison with those two. I, I think we got so caught up in the defensive linemen with, with Quinn and Williams and all those guys that when the linebackers went later in that day, we were still buzzing about the D-line. But I, I think they had two of the best linebacker performances that I've ever seen at the Combine at that position. Hey, Mel, I'm going to give you a little shout-out here. Your last mock draft, you get you. I think you had Montez Sweat number five overall. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm, sure the, I'm sure the Twitter mentions were like, Mel, who are you working for here? Montez Sweat number five overall. Montez Sweat goes out and runs 4-4-1. Your esteemed colleague Todd McShay has him as one of the biggest risers coming out of the combine. You don't have to push him up that much. So there you yeah, go. There's your shout out. Is yeah, that is that what you expected to see? Yeah, you can't do much uh, more than he did. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that that's a remarkable. And I think when I was there, I was watching uh, Devin Bush run. To go back to when Todd was talking about Bush, and he's flying, and then you see Devin White's got to wait a long time, and he comes out and just barely beats what Devin Bush ran. And as a former running back, you can see that. But uh, Sweat's four four one on the heels of what the Senior Bowl was. That's when I moved him up there, and you knew he'd test well, but not run that fast. So uh, I think the defensive players kind of made up for the, let's say, the wide receiver, the running back performances. Some were lackluster. Quarterbacks didn't wow me over this year. Uh, it was not nearly what the last year's group was. Tight ends, just okay. Uh, but then the, and the offensive linemen, same thing. But there were receivers and the defensive players and the safeties running 
cornerback type speeds. Uh, it was pretty remarkable. When you see what, uh, you know, a guy like Juan Thornhill, Virginia, who also played corner as well as safety. Mm-hmm. Will Harris, BC, Amani Hooker, Iowa, Darnell Savage, Jr., Maryland. Uh, Jonathan Abram ran a great time, good football player at Mississippi State, uh, ran a good time. So I think the safeties, uh, really, I thought, uh, showed that they belong in that early round discussion. Some corners that didn't run great will have a chance to make amends at the pro day. Uh, DeAndre Baker, Byron Murphy, um, Joan Williams, Vanderbilt, uh, they're going to have a chance to, to make amends. And Greedy Williams, we said he needed to run fast. He did. Four three seven, and he's a cover guy, and he's not a tackler. But hey, if you're not going to be the physical run support tackling presence, you better be a guy who can be a shutdown corner. And running under four four uh, certainly solidifies Greedy Williams as an early first round pick. Todd, yeah, I was sitting with the the Patriots last night, flying home to mm-hmm. Boston from uh, from Indy, and we were talking about the safeties, how they they were running faster times than the corners. I, I mean. It was really surprising to see 205, 207 pound guys that were outrunning a lot of the, you know, the 185, 195 uh, pound corners. And how about Zedrick Woods from Ole Miss? Mm. I mean, he's an in the box safety. I think 205, 207 pounds in that range. Most of his career, he plays near the line of scrimmage, and he comes out and runs the fastest forty time of anyone at the entire combine. And Which, so now you got to go back to the tape and, and study the tape on him and and see what you know what the potential can be now that you know that there's that speed. Well, and that's Todd. You can explain this more, but that's that's exactly what the combine does, though, right? It's it's it, you know what Montez Sweat is capable of, and then he confirms it. Now you're wondering, wait, what else can he do? What else can Woods do? Because you're not necessarily – guys can do things they weren't necessarily asked to do. There's corners that you think are safeties, vice versa, box linebackers that might have safety potential. I mean, it's just an interesting thing. that, like, That's why some of this stuff matters. Does, does it tell me he's a good football player? No. Does it tell me if there's something he might – something else he might do on a football field? Possibly. Yeah, that's exactly it. And like you said earlier – in a perfect world, a guy comes out and, and performs the way you see him on tape, and you don't have to do anything to adjust. Devin White, Devin Bush were kind of they were great examples. Quinn and Williams, the Alabama defensive tackle, great example. Um, you can go down the line. I mean, a lot of the guys who were supposed to work out well did work out well. Andre Diller, the offensive tackle from from Washington State, proved why he's the best pure pass protecting left tackle in the class. Um, Bradbury, the center from North Carolina State, comes out and and just, I mean, it's it's obvious when you're watching them move around who the best athlete is. And I thought throughout all the drills, Garrett Bradbury was was the guy, and he's the best. He's a center. I think he's the best interior offensive lineman in the class, and he put put up numbers that matched up. Now, on the other hand, there are guys that they come out and they don't run. And they don't work out the the way that you think you see them on tape, and that starts to concern you. I, Hawkinson, TJ Hawkinson, the tight end from Iowa, actually had a really good workout. I think everyone got caught up, and he ran a four seven one, I think, or four seven zero was the official. Mm-hmm. Um, but overall, you got to look at the whole workout. It's not just the forty. Um, there were some other guys that were disappointing. The cornerbacks didn't run as well. I thought a couple of the guys is as expected. DeAndre Baker ran in the low four fives. I was hoping he'd be more in the four fours. Irv Smith ran a good forty time, the tight end out of Alabama. Check out the rest of his workout though. Mm-hmm. Below average jumps, below average shuttles, uh, just didn't have the no you compare him and Fant, and I know Noah Fant coming out of Iowa is is has his issues and he's not a perfect player and he's Blocking is just not going to be his thing. But you compare those numbers, and it's a huge gap in terms of explosiveness in an athlete. And you talk about an explosive athlete, Todd. Just being there and watching uh, Brian Burns just catch the ball. I mean, when he was catching the football, when you obviously you're trying to intercept the pass, you're a linebacker defensive end, but he was catching it like a receiver tight end. And, you know, he ran into four or fives, and there's a kid right there. Just When you look at Bobby Ross used to say when we were watching practice, I remember at the Baltimore Colts in the early 80s, and he'd stand next to Bobby's. You can tell the athletes. You can tell just watch. You don't even need, and he'd always say, who's that guy? And say, oh, it's, it's this player. Oh, you can always tell who the real studs are on the football field and uh just watching those guys what look at Devin White did you see that that frame of his how chiseled and cut he is uh pretty remarkable so the the, the big timers 
jump out at you when you're just standing there. Well, you don't have to know a thing about any of these guys, who they are. You can just look down that field and pick out who the, the big-time prospects are in some cases. All right, let's do a category here. Todd, and you guys have both pointed out that some of these guys, the Bushes, the Whites, the Williams, the Boses, a lot of these guys confirmed what you saw on tape. Now, I want to go through guys that I think fall more into that 25 to 50 mix that is, is a lot closer than a lot of people think. Um, and see who possibly did you have as a, a two who might have gotten into the conversation as one as teams go back to the tape based on what they saw. I think a lot of people had this guy to one, but I'll give you an example as a thought starter here on the category. Guys who moved up into the one conversation. Anybody who didn't think Paris Campbell was really worth a one now, uh, 4-3-1, over 200 pounds. Looks like he's got the hands dialed on a little bit more than maybe he did earlier in his Ohio State career. Mel, is that a fair one to get this ball started? It's fair, but it was expected. Okay. Everybody knew Paris Campbell could run. He ran a 4-2-6, I believe, was the time that you had heard about him. We had Dwayne Haskins on our set on the ABC special on Saturday and said he can fly. I mean, uh, yeah, Paris can fly. That, that wasn't a surprise about Paris Campbell, but he did put the exclamation point at the end to say it's definitely what I'm, I am. DK Metcalf, that's rare what he did. What DK Metcalf's numbers were, you don't see. And, yeah, I didn't in the top ten in the last mock. McShay took a few shots at me with that one. That's fine. Uh, I'd be interested to see where you have him tomorrow, Mr. McShay, when DK Metcalf. By the way, I want my flame and <laughs> I don't remember anything. Ma- I'm waiting for my flame and yon, nine-ounce. Uh, I owe you mashed gravy. potatoes, Mel. And I owe you mashed like potatoes. Don't get carried yeah. away. Hey, but now that I killed you in that bet, I deserve a flame and yon coleslaw. And a nice, nice. How Are about you going to tell nice the people dessert? what it is? Andy Isabella. I underrated yeah. his speed. You I didn't realize that he was a, a track well, star on. in high school. I, I didn't like, realize he was like a track star laser, in high school. The laser time had him about four seven, and then Mel got it adjusted down to four three one. What's going yeah, on? Four five was the over under. Yeah, so I, I clobbered you on that place. So I deserve more <laughs> than just mashed potatoes, Todd. Come on, no, but no, you get, some, back, you, sure. get, you get cold mashed potatoes. Oh boy. <laughs> all right, Todd. All right, all right, Todd. Todd gets one though. In terms of guys that guys that were more in that thirty five to forty five range, who he's now thinking, I don't know. There's there's a good chance this guy slips into round one. Uh, I think Rocky Yassin from Temple is, is someone to keep an eye on. Yeah, he looked good. I think he, he had a really good overall workout. He's tough as nails, man. I love, I just mm-hmm. love watching him play. Um, you know, he's almost six feet, 192 pounds. He ran a 4.51, which isn't a great time, but he had a 39 and a half inch vertical, 10 foot broad jump. His numbers across the board were really good. Uh, and, and he just, watching him work out with the cornerbacks, he, he just moves well and, uh, he's got a great feel feel for the game. I think that's one that, that could move in there that we haven't really talked a lot about. Taylor Rapp, the safety from Washington, is another guy that I think as we continue to get closer, you're going to hear his name more and more. Uh, Byron Murphy, I think, with a good overall, like, he just looked like the smoothest corner out there. You know, watching him and all the drills again. He ran a four five five, not a great time five. Ten and a half, one hundred and ninety pounds, but all of his other numbers were really good. And, and, and these on guys the field. will run better at their pro day, Todd. Some of them, yeah, yeah, they all will. Oh, they all do, Mel. Now, I think the thing is scary, though. Quite honestly, Brian Burns, those numbers are freakish. I went back and watched the tape that night because I don't have nearly as high a grade on him as as those numbers match up. It's it's hard to get really excited, and I know his production is really good. In 24 sacks, 24 and a half, I think, in the last in three years at Florida State. But I just don't. I see the speed. I see the athleticism. But what happens when he's reached? And I just worry about pass rushers that don't have a power element to their game. And that's what anytime he tries to use speed to power, it, it tends to stall. So guys like that are the ones that you go back and you really look at and you, and you get concerned about. Now, on the flip side, Chase Winovich from Michigan comes out and runs a, like a 4-6 in the – in the 40-yard dash and, and works out really well in all the drills. He's a guy who I've, I've thought on tape is more like a second-rounder, at worst third-rounder, and now I feel a lot better about putting him in that range because he's got numbers that match up with that. Mel, let's go through a few names, and by that I mean 27, knowing you, <laughs> but a few names that you were thinking more of day three guys. I think this is where the, the workouts – the first-round guys solidify status – where you see these bigger jumps is, is guys you had as four or fives who suddenly yeah. – the, the workout are so good. You're like, yeah. let's just get that guy in the building yeah. uh, sometime late Friday night and let's get this done. Who are the guys that were 
more in the day three camp that you're thinking are I think I'm going to be talking about this kid on Friday yeah. night. Yeah, and you're thinking fourth round there. So from the fourth round, fifth round era, I think Ty- Tyree Jackson, Buffalo, just physically and the, just the way he played at Buffalo, he tailed off a little late. Somebody's going to take him in the second round, third round area. So he gets a little bump. I mean, so athletic. He's got the arm. He obviously needs coaching. He's the developmental prospect. He defines what that is, but I think somebody jumps at him a little early. Hakeem Butler, uh, yeah, I think somebody just on what his numbers are. We said, was he a one, two, or is he a four? There was a big gap when you talk to people. No built-in consensus on Hakeem Butler, Iowa State. I think he certainly gets that bump up uh, to where he could be in that uh, early round discussion. Freaky workout. Uh, yeah, I think Chris Lindstrom, Boston College, is a guy with his versatility. I don't know where people had him before, but, yeah, he's jumping up. I think he's gonna certainly going to be a guy that people have a, a pretty good grade on after all said and done. Todd mentioned Bradbury, Eric McCoy, definitely, and most people had second, third. He could jump up with his versatility and be well in that mix to be a, a second-round pick. Yeah, I think, you know, when you look at the defensive lineman, Saunders from Western Illinois, I like. I think he's going to be a solid player in the league. I don't know if we jump him up and bump him up that far, but I think he's certainly a guy that is a good football player and deserves to be in the mix fairly early. Alani Johnson's going to be interesting from Kentucky. I thought he ran well enough. I think, you know, bigger corner that you would certainly think should be in that discussion. I'm going to go again to the defensive secondary. Juan Thornhill, to me, is a guy I want on my team. And today, he's like the McCourty with, that played in the end of the McCourties. I think Thornhill, when you have the, the length and the versatility he has and the speed, uh, I think somebody's going to jump on him a little earlier than people may have thought prior to his running the 40 time. Hey, Todd, I want to give you one of Mel's guys. This is going to hurt him a little bit. Uh-oh. Miles Boykin went crazy out there. Yeah, but pump the brakes yeah. there a little bit. 6 pump 4 the 2 20, though. Yeah, one-year guy, though. And I, Todd can go from I here. I tried to I, give him to you, Todd. One-year guy, Todd. You know, he, he had a good year. Stanford game, Virginia Tech game. There were others where he Leave was Leave a productive. little meat on the bone, Kuiper. Yeah, Are you sold on Boykin as a two? I had, him, I had him as a third or fourth going into the workout. Are you going to bump him up to a two? I have him at a four. I think he, to me, and and let's let's define that at least for for me. Like in the first round, if we say first, it's just it's relatable for fans. But the way I try to grade is first round, I expect it to be he didn't, this player to be a top end starter for our team. And if we're in the top ten, obviously, I'm looking for a perennial Pro Bowl player. Second, third round initially maybe a nickel, a number three, even a number four at a position, but has the potential to develop into a solid to good starter. And then when you get fourth round and beyond, you're looking for guys that maybe have some upside or maybe maybe it's a durability issue, but they you know they can be a starter if they can stay healthy or they can help on special teams and those sorts of things. So to me, he was a guy that I thought could be like a number four, could develop into a number four receiver. He's got potential. Uh, but on tape, I didn't see quite this explosive player, and I didn't. There just wasn't a lot of consistency over his career. Then you look at these numbers: six three and a half, two twenty, four four two in the forty, forty three and a half inch vertical. Um, what do you like an eleven? Eleven? What was it? Eleven? Broad jump, six seven seven cone. I mean, the numbers across yeah. the board, every single one are elite. So I've got to go back, and you can't study every single tape in 24 hours but he's one of the guys that i've got starred that i've got to go back and study more of because clearly something's not matching up and real quick as the running backs the ones you thought would you know were going to be fairly highly rated the devin singletary's florida atlantic david montgomery iowa state devin singletary broke my heart mel i had him as the number two running back in this class and he went out and and ran what he ran four six six and you know what he's going to be interesting because sleeper because yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> you can't sit there and pound the table in a draft room with Singletary when he's five seven and a half, two hundred and three pounds, run, running a four six six, and numbers that just aren't explosive across the board. Compared to some of the other guys that, that you know are similar size or bigger, running a lot a lot better. But he may wind up being a a real value pick, steal, whatever you want to call it in day three. And a guy I would bump up a little bit would be Miles Sanders, running back at Penn State. Yep. Yeah, I tend to agree. I think I underrated his his explosiveness as well. All right, guys, I want to I want to pull out some of the guys that are Sanders is close, but some of the guys that are just big name college football players that a lot of people are curious about where they're going to end up. I'll start with a guy out of Arizona State, and Keel Harry. 
he he had some great numbers and then he had some interesting numbers. He ran four five three and it's six six oh two three two twenty eight. You'll take that twenty seven remps on the bench, Mel. He kind of looks like the player that he you know in in from a testing perspective the player is. He's kind of big, but he's not just going to flat out run by you. He's physical, you know, but he's not necessarily going to always out jump you. Might just win physically. Like, is this a guy that? You know, he's likely a two, but somebody just says, hey, we want to go up and get it type at, at the end of round one. Or where do you see him now? I'm looking at these brand name types from the college game yeah. and where they ended up. Yeah, Harry, you always look at the Alshon Jeffrey type guys, the contested catch guys, the power forward types. I, he is who he is. I think he's a two. I wouldn't think first round for Nikhil Harry. Todd may disagree. I don't, we'll see tomorrow, but I think he's a two. I would put him in the second round, uh, Harry. I think, I think some of the other receivers, Debo Samuel, I would take higher. Uh, yeah, I would take a Preston Williams, Colorado State, who wasn't at the combine, which is, uh, you know, that's a story for another day. But, uh, you know, Preston Williams, Colorado State, uh, would be a little higher. I want to see, you know, how Anthony Johnson, Buffalo emerged. I liked him as a player throughout his career. Uh, I want to see how he, what happens with the draft process with him. But I would put Harry in the mid-second round, mid to late second round area. I'll give you one, Todd. You've seen him in person a few times. I didn't expect this number. Out of a, a kind of a college football brand name, Mike Weber from Ohio State, smaller guy, but he pack he's packing two eleven. He runs four four nine, backs it up with a four four eight, composite of a four four seven. Everything else is just kind of there. Twenty two reps, thirty three and a half inch vertical. I never saw Mike Weber as a home run type at the NFL level. I I probably still don't. But guy who ran for a ton of yards in the college game on a big stage. What did you see from him? I'm not a big Mike Weber guy. I, to me, his tape is is solid, but there's just nothing. There's nothing really nothing special that jumps out, yeah. out. So, you know, it's it's hard. I mean, these numbers are good, but but remember, he he only did a, a vertical jump, which is thirty three and a half, which is it's actually below average. Mm-hmm. And he ran the four four seven at five nine and a half, two hundred and eleven pounds. So while it's a good forty. There's a lot more to playing running back than just a 40, and, and he didn't do any of the, the shuttles or the, the broad jump as well, and, and those show explosiveness, change of direction, body you know body control, and all those other things that you want to see at the running back position. So, um, yeah, it, it, it definitely jumped out. I was surprised. Benny Snell is another guy who ran, I think, a 4-4. Four, 4-6-6. Four, four, six, six. Oh, he ran a 4-6-6. You're right. Six, yep. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. you're right. Yep. I, was, I was actually looking at Weber, who's right below him on the list. So, yeah, he's he ran what I expected him to run. Yeah, big back. Yeah, that's not his. He's not yeah. a game breaker, but he, he ran, you know, what you thought Benny Snell, who's a move the chains guy and inside tough, you know, grinder, a workhorse, uh, can catch the ball, do some things. So I think Benny Snell, again, some guys just are who they are and, and they're, they're yep. not going to give them a bump up or down. They just, they did what you expected them to do. And yeah, what amazed me, Todd and Chris, watching these guys is how many of these juniors you say, why did you come out early? It, it, back when we were started, 10 years ago, 15, we were talking about guys that were first or second round picks come out. If you're a third, we got guys coming out, may not even get drafted every year, late round picks. It's like, why aren't you back in college? I, I, I just sit there and say, why is that 144? Why, that should be 74, not 144. Yeah, it consistently happens. Mel, the thing that was I, frustrating too, just to jump, sorry, go ahead. cut you off there, but, um, the thing that was frustrating about the running backs is that three of the, five biggest names didn't even work out. It's not their fault. They were injured legitimately. Uh, But Rodney Anderson from Oklahoma obviously had the season-ending injury. Um, Josh Jacobs, that one's debatable because he was supposed to work out leading up to it and then decided last minute with a minor groin pull, he claims, but he'll he'll work out at his pro day. And then Bryce Love obviously coming off the the ACL injury in the last, last game of the season. And he probably won't be able to work out at all, is my guess. So it's it's tough when three of the big-name guys don't participate at all. Mel, I'll give you one more just because we haven't gotten into this group. You okay. mentioned Tyree Jackson, Ray's, mm-hmm. but out of all the quarterbacks, yep. the one who maybe was the sneaky athletic the most was maybe, and maybe it's just out of the 40 time, but Drew Locke showed up and ran pretty fast. Yeah. Looks like a pretty decent athlete there. There's a lot of talk of him as being that guy. Who is that third name? Uh, possibly round one, possibly the other two. I would probably guess late one. Uh, did he do anything? Are they, any of the quarterbacks that 
obviously Tyree Jackson was more of a curiosity yeah. that jumped once yeah. you put him side by side with all these guys, mm-hmm. see the ball come off his hand comparatively. Um, what about the other guys, Locke and Jones? Locke was disappointing to me uh, in, in that because I expected him to – I'll just talk about the great, great, great elite arm. Show it. And it, Josh Allen showed it during the combine last year. He showed he was elite. Drew Locke didn't, and I don't know if he went in because he was coached that way to be more accurate. Don't they know you have the big, whatever it is? Show what you got. I, I didn't see him rip it and cut it loose. I, I was disappointed there. I thought he'd put on a show. I thought if you're going to work out at the combine, and the combine's not a venue that's positive for quarterbacks. I mean, you got to really be confident to want to do it there because you're with other guys. You're, I would save it for a pro day. I've always said that if I'm a top level quarterback, I wouldn't throw at the combine. Now he did, and Allen did because Allen knows. I knows I can wow you over. I thought Locke could, but he didn't. He was just another guy out there throwing. And that's not – Daniel Jones you knew wouldn't look good at this venue. I thought Drew Locke would, Todd, and he didn't to me wow me over at all. I I, I saw it a little differently. I mean, I, I do agree there were a few throws that I thought he would let rip. I thought towards the end of the session, especially on those uh, the post-corner routes, the last two throws he made were big time. I mean, on a line 30-something yards down the field and, and got there in a hurry. Uh, and perfectly placed, too, most importantly. But um, – there were also some throws where I thought he, you know, he, he just didn't let it rip. The, the vertical throws, I think, were those are the ones that I would tend to agree. I thought he was a little late on one, and then another one he just didn't, he didn't air it out. And I'd rather in that drill. Now in real life, I'd actually rather miss short if I'm gonna if I'm gonna throw a deep ball and be off target, so my receiver could come back and get it. But in in that drill, I think you'd rather just overthrow the guy and be like, oops, sorry, you know too big of an arm for this guy for for this receiver so. I, I tell all the quarterbacks i coach over three overthrow the hell out of it at the combine it's a, it's the That's it's exactly. the best way these guys got to run faster to catch up to my deep ball but lock i thought i thought he was solid i mean i, th- I think it's very clear that the two best arms the two most natural passers of the group were dwayne haskins from ohio state and lock and I, I think with Locke, with the athleticism you know he was he was offered a scholarship to go play oklahoma basketball just because he's a big guy and a pocket passer typically doesn't mean he's not athletic. He is athletic. He ran well. He showed his athleticism. And if you watch the tape, I mean, some of his best plays come on busted plays where he's getting outside the pocket and throwing off balance. All right, Todd, I had him 15 to Washington in the last mock. I'm, I'm kind of critical because I expected more because I had him at 15. I want him to show elite. I don't think, you're defending him. You didn't have him in yep. your last mock. Are you going to have yep. him in the one a little preview? Are you going to have him in the mock that we are going to be talking about tomorrow? Yes, he's in there. Wow, I'm gonna I'm gonna log on tomorrow. All right, last question on the comma, and then we're gonna jump to the AFC. Nothing West. more for you, Kuiper. I hear you, pal. Uh, Mel, <laughs> last one, one and done. Quick Todd. take, Mel. The I, the number one guy out of the gazillion workouts that you saw, mm-hmm. that you watched him as a college football player this year, last year. You're like, eh, that right. dude, eh, there's not much here. And then you saw the combine, and it did what the combine does, and says, "Oh man, I'm, I got to I got to make some calls on this guy. I got to go back to the tape because something's here. You know, the, the spandex got me. He's flying. He's jumping high. Who was it that stood out where you said, yeah, I got I got to reassess.'" I'm I'm going back to the drawing board on Hakeem Butler. Uh, after you see that workout, and I've been kind of I wouldn't say lukewarm. I've heard people say first round, second. I had him in the third, fourth. When you're that big and you're that athletic and you run that well, Iowa State, had the Iowa State Cyclone receiver, I got to go back and try to figure out is is Hakeem Butler worthy of being talked about as a late first, early second round pick? I think that wowed people. That's a wow workout. We talk about that's something that says, boy, you guys all better stop doubting me and start looking at me a little closer. I think Hakeem Butler for me would be that guy. Who's your guy, Todd? Or, or uh, maybe I'm, you just had him all right. Yeah, no, I had him all right. Um, uh, Mark Fields. Oh, yeah. There's a Washington or, State shout-out in here, Mel. Yeah, here you have the father. Yep, his father was a linebacker, a good player, a first-round pick. You, I am, fourth, Todd is such a good scout because Mark Fields, not just because that was the number one name I wrote down, Four three seven, yeah. oily hips. Oily hips. He didn't do a lot. <laughs> he, he didn't do anything else besides the bench press, but I didn't expect to see that speed out of fields who really was like he was their nickel this year right on tape he's you know he comes in in nickel dime situations but he's not a full-time starter and he came out and had a, had a, a big run so i'll tell you what todd he's another one of those guys though that's what happens when you go to a 
you know, in recent years, a Bama Pro Day or a Clemson Pro Day. I mean, dude number 12 or dude number 13 might still be interesting on those teams. Yeah. And how about Sheldrick Redwine? Uh, good player at safety. Name. Six foot, six foot coming out of Miami. Yep. Six foot, 196 pounds. He runs a 444 with a 39 inch vertical. I can't do the math on the, what is it? So 10, 10, 10 broad jump. And then a 414, which is a really good short shuttle for safety. I mean, those are good big time numbers. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun and, and they had Mel out there. So it was obviously a highly rated event. Guys, um, we are going to take a quick break and then we are jumping in to the AFC West. Going to be a fun division next year. The Kansas City Chiefs. Kansas City Chiefs. From what I told, have a quarterback who is super motivated, I'm bummed out, and I have sources, and is ready to come back and murder everybody next year, figuratively. They got that position solved, Mel. Andy Reid joked about it at the Combine. Um, Justin Houston is now finally uh, no longer a Kansas City Chief after a, a long, great run. But they got some good things going on the defensive side of the ball. Chris Jones became what Todd McShay always believed he could be if his motor ran hot. And even guys like Derek Nandi uh, showed a lot. But they could look different in a few spots. Mel, what do you see from this team who obviously really believes that anything short of a Super Bowl would be a disappointment next year? Yeah, they have some some questions based on free agency that will get answered, whether it's on the offensive line, you thought about the edge guys, obviously think about a running back, another receiver, corner, edge rusher, I mean, safety. Uh, there's a lot of different areas this team could go with that 29th pick. Uh, yeah, I had Jonathan Abram, the safety from Mississippi State, there with the, the last mock I did. But they have, for a team that, like I say, had, they're there because of Patrick Mahomes. Holmes. Uh, it makes face facts. When you have a Mahomes, you're going to be expected to be in the Super Bowl. Could have very easily been there this year. But they have some tweaks to do on defense. Uh, they, have, they have some upgrades to make there. And like I said, the offensive line, the interior of that line is something that obviously free agent, that agency will determine that. But uh, And add another weapon at the wideout position. And as we said, for a running back, there is some depth there. They'll find a running back down the line, you would think. Uh, could they go first round? We'll see. But uh, I think uh, this is a team of the of the Teams picking at the end of the first round, Todd, they're the team that has probably the most areas that they could address. Yeah, Brett Feach, the general manager, has, um, he and Andy Reid have some, some work to do just depending on how they handle free agency. You know, So the work starts with that. Which guys are we bringing back? I mean, I did the Chiefs preseason game, so I know this team pretty well. Mitch Morse is a, a good player at center. I, my guess is they bring him back. Um, Spencer Ware and Charkandrick West are, are both free agents. My guess is they bring one of them back, maybe both, um, to go with Damian Williams and Daryl Williams. Uh, they've got depth, but they don't have the guy, is my opinion on it. Um, then on the defensive side, Alan Bailey, is he going to come back? Could Justin Houston become a cap casualty? I've read yeah, a little is. bit about that recently. And so now, yes, you've got Chris Jones, you've got Nadi. Alan Bailey is a free, a free agent. D. Ford, they put the franchise tag on, I believe, right? Yes, Ford is franchise. On. Houston will be out. And then at cornerback, you get Steven Nelson and Orlando Skandrick. So they're both free agents as well. So I think at that point, you're looking probably at a cornerback or maybe a safety. But in that area, I think guys like Byron Murphy from uh, from Washington, Rocky Sin we talked about, um, DeAndre Baker from from um, Georgia could still be around after not running that well, although I still think he's a really good football player. Um, and I I wonder where Greedy Williams is going to go. I know he worked out well. He had a really good 40 time, but do you want something more physical at that position? So, um, But I think there's depth at corner, safety, and then possibly one of those hybrid edge guys if, uh, if something falls your way. Hey, Mel, one last question on the mm-hmm. Chiefs. Okay. You know, uh, one uh, one of the Sprout theories of the universe is your biggest hole is actually if a that this great player is not on the field and that player is vulnerable. Travis Kelsey has had some nicks the last couple of years. He turns thirty in October. I'm just wondering if it's late second round or they have that ninety three pick. You Todd keeps saying there's a lot of tight ends to be found. I'm wondering if they look at that position as they want to develop another potential weapons slash backup that could emerge late in the season 
um, for Patrick Mahomes. They could. Uh, I think they have some other needs that override that. I don't think the tight end group, to me, is not that great. Uh, some of these guys didn't run as well as expected. Some did, but it's kind of a mixed bag there. Well, you um, really changed your opinion on that in, in a couple of days in Indy. Huh? I did. I did. I was a little guys disappointed. Guys run slow and Todd's out. Yeah, yeah out. I, I thought they would have do a little bit better than that. They didn't. But uh, yeah, yeah, but I think for the Chiefs, they could. If you're looking at, at guys, you know, Tommy Sweeney's, Caden Smith, the guys like that, Caleb Wilson, Dawson Knox. I mean, there's some tight ends out there that could go in those areas, but I, I'm not as excited about that position as I thought I would be. The Los Angeles Chargers. Here we go again. It's Los Angeles Chargers, a team that has a lot of talent, uh, a very quietly consistent quarterback. Phillip Rivers, last couple of years, has really cleaned it up in terms of the interceptions. Um, but there's some there's some interesting free agency decisions to be made on the defensive side of the ball. Hopefully, a full season from Joey Bosa. Uh, you know, and other guys, Melvin Ingram, Jatavis Brown means a, a really good pass rush. Todd, what's your starting point here? One other name I'll throw out there. Tyrell Williams is a question mark. There's a lot of talk that some teams are going to throw a ton of money at Tyrell Williams in free agency, which suddenly leaves you with only some pretty good pieces at wide receiver, but not, but at least one hole. Yeah, I, I think, first of all, I think Anthony Lynn did a hell of a job yeah. this past year. I mean, he... This is a good team, but it's not the Kansas City Chiefs talent-wise. It's not the, I don't, you know, they're not the Patriots. They're not some of the other you know elite teams. And to get as far as they did, I was I was impressed. I think speaking of the Patriots, I, I thought late in the season they got pushed around a little bit, and I think they're going to need to be a little bit more physical up front defensively. They're losing three defensive ta- – or they potentially could lose three def- defensive linemen, interior guys, um, Brandon Meebane, Damian Square, and, and Darius Phylon. Um So I think that's an area they could look to to address early on. Um, offensive guard tackles another position I think that they could – they could upgrade. I think linebacker Denzel Perryman, uh, Kyle Emanuel are both free agents, so that could be a spot. And then uh, Jason Verrett, what are they going to do with that at that cornerback spot as well? So they've got a lot of question marks on the defensive side of the ball. I'd be surprised if they didn't go defense. And I think the other thing, too, we need to look at is at what point do you try to draft a quarterback to develop and, and maybe potentially become the, the heir apparent to Phillip Rivers? That's a Daniel Jones spot from Duke. If you you think that the uh, lock's going to go a lot higher, I think Jerry Tillery, who ran really well from Notre Dame, had some splash flash games, some wow games at Notre Dame. Jerry Tillery watched him all year, looked like a late one. He could be there. They need a defensive tackle desperately. And Jeffrey Simmons, not and, and Chris, there's a guy. I mean, how far down do you push him? Is he a second rounder? I think at some point, somebody by the time we get to late April is going to look at that top five talent and say, I got to get Jeffrey Simmons in the fold late first round. And the Chargers could be Rams. There's teams in the late first could medically redshirt him, get him ready for a year two. Jeffrey Simmons, Jerry Tillery, going to be tough to, to pass over at that point in the draft for the Chargers, who desperately need a defensive tackle. The Denver Broncos. Denver Broncos, Mel. Mm. Did they solve their quarterback program or pro- problem program by uh, getting your boy? Because I guess that's kind of one of the questions is, is, is the addition of the Baltimore rifle with the fabulous Flicking hair. Flacco. Yeah, Joe Flacco. Is the addition of him enough to keep them off that position as a talking point in that draft? Or does the addition of Joe Flacco and, and at least the possibility, uh, that both him and Keenum could be gone at, by next year almost accelerate it? Do you, yeah. do you need to get somebody in round two or round three and say, all right, let's, let's start the developmental card back up again? Yeah, for John Elway, it's been Peyton Manning at the end of his career winning the Super Bowl. Then you bring in Paxton Lynch, bust. Then you bring in Case Keenum, disappointment. Now you trade for Joe Flacco. At some point, they got to get it right. Last year, because they got stung on Lynch, didn't take, they don't look at Josh Allen. So again, you're looking at a team that just hasn't, hadn't, hadn't, hadn't been in sync with the way the quarterbacks have gone. And other teams were trying to get Lynch. Had they got, how Kansas City who tried to get Lynch got him, they wouldn't have had Mahomes. And Denver wouldn't have ever had Lynch. So a lot of things went crazy that year because of the Lynch and the situation there. 
there, but they got to get, I think, even though, and I like Joe Flacco, but I think that draft a young quarterback, he's going to, you know, get in the mid thirties now with the injury question is not a bad thing to do. Not at 10. This is a team has some holes. They need a corner. Uh, you think about down the line, tight end, wide receiver, nose tackle, interior of the line. This team's got a lot of areas to look at. I thought Greedy Williams would make sense if he were there at 10. I think he could be, and uh, he would be somebody to look at. Uh, but there are certainly other neat areas. T.J. Hawkinson at tight end would give the quarterback Flacco. He loves the throw to the tight end. Joe's eyes go to the tight end. And you don't have a lot of big-timers there right now. Uh, Hawkinson at, at Iowa, whether it's a little early or not, remains to be seen. Todd, get me excited about this team. I guess I look at the two pass rushers and I say, oh man, they're going to, I mean, it's, it's no fun to drop back against this team 45 times, but where else do you look at this team and you say, man, I'm, I'm fired up? Well, I'm good not question. trying to start a pep rally, but it, it no, is, no, no. It's, good, you good just question. don't know. You, you're trying to talk your way into 10 wins and it's tough. I think Mel's right. I think they need a tight end. I think they need, to protect the quarterback. That's been an issue the last couple of years. Yep. They used the first-round pick in 17 on Garrett Bowles. He's not been great, but he's starting to get better. Uh, you got two of your starters at center and, and right tackle that are going to be our free agents. Are you going to bring them back for continuity, or are you going to try to upgrade that, that position? I expect them to probably try to upgrade at least one of those two positions. And then you look on the defensive side, what, what are we going to do at cornerback? You know, you lost Tlaib. Um They've got Bradley Roby's an unrestricted free agent. Is he going to come back? And then Chris Harris suffered an injury. So uh, it, there's a lot of question marks in the secondary. I know I'm not giving you a lot of excitement here, but you do have Von Miller. You do have Bradley yeah, Chubb, Adam Gotsis at uh, interior defensive line, Derek Wolf. You've got some parts, and the biggest thing you got to do in this league, outside of be great at quarterback, is to get after the quarterback. And they can do that. So if they can just get some kind of upgrade at quarterback and then get the running game going like they did last year with Philip Lindsay and get a little bit more protection, they've got a chance to turn things around. But, this, man, this is a tough division. I mean, obviously Oakland excluded, but the other two teams in this division that we just covered, good luck beating them right now. I mean, and, and for the, the long-term future with the Chiefs and at least for one more year with the, with the Chargers. So this is, this is no easy task for John Elway, Vic Fangio, and this staff. And last thing on Denver, Chris, will be the second day of the draft. When you think of it, yeah. it's going to be day three of the draft. Day two, you have the second-round pick and the third-round pick after you get the 10th pick overall. But on day three... Two fours, two fives, a six and a seven. So that's right there. Six players coming in on day three with two fours and two fives. The Broncos need to hit on those picks. They got several holes that need to be filled. I'll tell you what, one thing on the Denver Broncos to close it. I, I, I pushed Todd hard to get me excited about the Denver Broncos and he did okay. One thing I, I do notice, I'm looking at the roster and then I tend to forget, you know, I think quietly maybe the most underrated coaching move of the offseason could have been the Denver Broncos zagging while everybody else zigs and hiring a defensive guy to coach. And maybe that doesn't maybe that's not so crazy when you got to deal with Patrick Mahomes and Phillip Rivers and all those weapons four times a year. But Vic Fangio last year in Chicago, going into that season, we thought maybe this defense could be something. You know, and then we'll see what happens if they can figure it out enough at quarterback with Trubisky getting that development. That's kind of the conversation with, with Denver and they got some really dynamic pieces, at least a couple of them on the defensive side of the ball. So, so maybe Vic does what he is in Chicago and turns this into a top five unit and, uh, and the Baltimore rifle can ride again. The Oakland Raiders. Oh man, Mel. John Gruden says at the combine, you know, we got to get younger. Well, he's not going to be able to help it because they got three ones. You could obviously turn that into about five twos if you ever wanted to. They obviously have the two. I mean, he's got the assets here. I see that number four spot. I'm thinking, given what they need, given how much younger they need to get, that could be a good spot to move down if somebody wants to get into the Dwayne Haskins or Kyler Murray conversation. What do you think, Mel? It'll be interesting who's there. I think that will determine it. Uh, because if Murray goes, say, one, and Haskins goes three, and that's in a trade-up, yeah, then you all of a sudden have some really good defensive players sitting there for the Oakland Raiders who need help. They need an edge guy. They certainly need a corner. Uh, safety. 
Wide receiver, definitely. I mean, they have a lot of areas where they need to address to make up for what they traded in, in, in Mack and Cooper. And they had the three ones, a two and a three. Then a four, five, a six, and two sevens uh, from that point out. But I think when you look at this team, it will depend upon how the – if two quarterbacks jump into that top group, you're guaranteed at that point, Allen, Bosa, Williams, that's only one. So two of those defensive players would still be there for if, in fact, the quarterbacks go one and three, which, hey, that's a big-time look-ahead right now. But if it did happen, a big-time defensive player is going to be staring the Oakland Raiders right in the face. Why would they go three and not two? I just threw the Jets because the Jets have been talked about maybe not having a lot of picks. Moving the Jets, Jets would be thinking, Todd, about maybe moving out of there. The Jets are a team right now, if you look at their draft, a one, no two, Two threes, a four, five, and a seven. So kind of recoup a two, get some extra picks for the Jets. That's why I did that. But no, you're right. Yeah. I mean, they could. No, I just, dude, I honestly was right? just curious. Right. Uh, I, I also, the tricky part, and we're kind of getting away from it, but the tricky part is if you're the Cardinals or the 49ers, and let's say the Cardinals aren't going to take Kyler Murray, just for a second, hypothetical, and you're going to either get Bosa or Quinn and Williams, right? Now, if you take Bosa, the 49ers are sitting there, and Quinnen Williams is the best player, but maybe Josh Allen is the better fit for what you need. But if I move back to six, or probably not seven, because we, we all think that Nick Foles is going to be at Jacksonville, but beyond there, you're talking about 11, the Bengals, 13 Dolphins, 15 Redskins. Though, If you're in the top four, so even include the Raiders in this conversation, but you're in the top four or five, and teams are trying to get up ahead of the Giants to go get a quarterback, it could be you could get a lot of compensation. Don't get me wrong. Teams have done it with Kansas City when they went up for Mahomes. Uh, teams have done it with Houston when they went up for Deshaun Watson. Big, big, big moves. So I understand it because you get a lot of compensation, and it's probably worth it at the end of the day. But you got to make a tough decision if you're staring at Nick Bosa and or Quinn and Williams and say, you know what, I'm going to pass on this guy who I think is going to be an absolute stud for the next 10 years and move back and get a guy that I really like and then a couple other guys. So it's going to be interesting to see the decision-making from the top five teams in that regard, Oakland Raiders included. Um, you know, we, all, we all know what Oakland has to do. They, I mean, they, I think they need to keep their picks, first of all. I think you keep all three picks. I, if I'm Oakland, the only way this thing is getting fixed is if Gruden believes in Derek Carr. If not, then we are totally you know, doing an overhaul here. And if you're going to take one of the quarterbacks at four, you've wasted the opportunity to put a player around Derek Carr. I w- I've never been the biggest Derek Carr fan. And I don't want to even get in the conversation about it. It's not <laughs> worth it. I was going to say, But if you're being fair to him, you got to give him a second year, I think, in the system. Because he's had very little continuity. You rip away the best pass rusher on the team. You rip away his number one receiver. I think if you're going to rebuild, you give him a chance to be part of it for a year. If he doesn't make progress, which he did show a little bit of late in the season, then you move on. But to to rip Derek Carr out of here, bring in a new quarterback, I mean, you are literally starting from scratch, and it doesn't make a ton of sense to me. When if you think you have a, a solid starting quarterback, and you look at this, and you can get, come away with a Josh Allen, an edge rusher in the first round, and then later on the, the picks 24 and 27, go get a wide receiver and a, a cornerback. Now all of a sudden you have some pieces to the puzzle together with a quarterback. I, I just I, I, Moving on from Carr and going and dr- trying to get Kyler Murray or Dwayne Haskins or one of these quarterbacks to me seems ridiculous at this point. Yeah, my point would be Kyler Murray would be the one. He's kind of the wild card that would interest Gruden if he were there. I don't think he will be. But I think when you look at Derek Carr, this year is a write-off for Derek. Derek Carr, Gruden comes in, you got two rookies starting to tackle, one of which Colt Miller was banged up most of the year. The interior was banged up. You traded away your receiver. You had nothing there. Derek Carr, people say, well, throw it down the field. He can throw it down the field. He's got a strong arm. But you're not going to throw it down the field when you have no time to throw it. you got no receivers that can get down there anyway. So you dink and dunk, and you complete 70% of your passes, and you move on to the next year and hope that the town around you gets better. This was an MVP guy a few years ago, an MVP guy who got hurt or the Oakland Raiders would have been a factor in the playoffs. You know, so Derek Carr, when he's healthy, number one, when he was a great MVP candidate, when he had players around him when he was healthy, he was an MVP guy, which he did in this year. So I think for them, you know, 
surround this guy with some players before you worry about you know, scrutinizing Derek Carr. Kyler Murray would be the wild. If he were there, then you say, is he an upgrade over Derek? We don't know that. But John likes those kind of guys. But I think Derek Carr seems to be the guy they're moving forward with, and then they make a decision on how they're going to utilize those three picks. And they got to feel, hey, Derek Carr's young. We They stole him in a second. Ironically, the guy that made those picks of Khalil Mack, Amari Cooper and Derek Carr isn't even there, but there were three really good picks. Let's face facts here. They hit on Mac, they hit on Cooper, and they hit on Carr big time in the early second round, who's played like an early first round pick. So to me, you have Carr, then you pick up the, the other players that you need, the receivers. The line should be good next year. The tackles will be better. Miller will be healthy. The line will be healthier. That should be a better group defensively. They better address up front, linebacker and secondary. That's the areas as much as receiver that they need help and they got these picks to, to do damage. They have the the three ones, a two, a three, and then on day two they got an extra seven. Or day three they have an extra seven. So Gruden and Mayock and the thing with John is uh, Todd, and we'll get to the you've been in the, there, you John yeah, you know, he identifies fourth rounders and that are good players, but he takes them a little earlier. So I think just settle on the value. Mayock's got to let him know the value and where these guys should come off the board and not reach for guys in the second round that you can get in the fourth round. Oh, man. You know what I love about the combine is the questions after the combine get super nerdy. You know, some guys like, Nerd alert! Who's this Mark Fields guy? Oh, man. 437. I'm going to ask Todd McShay about him. Guys, let's do rapid fire. We've only got a few minutes. I hear a helicopter in the distance coming for Todd. Todd, you can take this. At Usain Boris asks, Nicole Hardman, does he have the potential to be a good sleeper wide receiver, a value version of Marquise Brown? You know, he's a track guy. And we we knew he was going to was going to wind up running well. Came out at, at 5'10", in a little change, 187 pounds, ran a 4.33, one of the faster times really of anyone at the Combine and, and of course, of the wide receivers. Had a 36-inch vertical. Didn't do the shuttle. So I, on tape, I think he's he's got potential. He's I think you've kind of identified what he's going to be, a, a slot receiver with some vertical ability. I think he, he can be a better player. He can continue to develop. I think of the, of the Georgia receivers, he's got the most upside. I think uh, when you look at Ridley, he's he just doesn't have the speed and explosiveness. He's a good route runner. He's pretty tough. I thought on tape he caught the ball well. He didn't at the combine. He actually had a real tough week. Uh, Godwin's the other one that um, who's just to me a, a late rounder. Uh, Ter- Terry Godwin coming out of Georgia, five eleven, one eighty four. He had you know average average speed and numbers across the board. So he of the Georgia receivers, I think he's the has the upside uh, over the other two. That was a very Kuiper answer of you, Todd. I asked you about one. Sleeper, and you also rattled off like two or three other I names. That's good. That really, after, after being told to go rapid fire, too. He's, he's really getting good. Here, this is perfect for Mel Kuyper. Okay. At Up Ravens, mm-hmm. wonder who he roots for, asks, mm-hmm. are the Ravens mm-hmm. better off selecting an interior offensive lineman? The dude lists like nine of them. Then find, then finding a scheme fit playmaker like a Paris Campbell, Nicole Hardman again, or Justice Hill, Andy Isabella. What do you think, Mel? Well, uh, you're talking about a picket at 22. I mean, a wide receiver is uh, definitely a neat area, as is, a, I think, a running back. So I think Josh Jacobs has to be in play. With the way he can run, catch, and block for Lamar Jackson, I think that will be something that's vital in there. I mean, Gus Edwards gave him a lot. As a guy undrafted out of formerly of Miami, the Hurricanes, goes to Rutgers, comes in as an undrafted free agent, gave him a lot. Alex Collins gone. So I think you look at, at running back like Jacobs and a wide receiver, uh, definitely if a Marquise Browner is there at 22, even though, you know, you think about the injury concern and, and the size concern, but at 22, I think he would have to be in play. So I think helping out Lamar Jackson in year two, be it a running back or a receiver, would be, I think, something the Ravens would have to consider at that point. Todd, Paul McMorris asks, would you take Fant or Hawkinson if you needed a tight end? Just just irrespective, how do you stack them? I would take Hawkinson. I know there's a, a difference in speed and a little bit of athleticism. I think play playing-wise, you just get a much more complete player in Hawkinson. He can be in line. You can flex him out. He's a more consistent route runner. He's a more consistent pass catcher in terms of reliability with his hands. And while he doesn't have that, that top-end speed that we saw from, from Fant, which was really impressive, don't get me wrong. I mean, there's certainly something intriguing 
about having a, a wide receiver that can run a 4-5 flat. Or a tight end that looks like a wide receiver that runs a four five flat and, and the numbers he put up. But to me, Hawkinson is just a more complete player and I'm I'm not turned off by the four seven as much as yeah, some let, other people seem to be. Let's get real with these times. Uh you know, four five is fine, but who is the best football player? And what did Zach Ertz run when he came out of Stanford? At a similar size, four six eight. What did TJ Hawkinson run? Four seven. What's the difference? Nothing. So to me, Hawkinson's a hundred miles an hour, everything he does type of player. Yeah, to me, T.J. Hawkinson is in that, I'd say probably no later than the mid-first round area, but I love the way he goes about his business. He's he's a tough, hard-nosed, high-effort player. All right, Mel, another another somebody who, who watched the Combine, and, and now we're seeing a new, a new list of questions. Justice uh-huh. Hansen asks, how did Stanley Morgan, the Husker, perform in relation to your expectations? Think he's got an opportunity anywhere? It's interesting. Todd and I were watching Stanley and talking a little bit about Stanley Morgan when we were there at I the wish combine. I could have been there for that. And I thought he showed some flags. Todd wasn't as high. He's a day three pick, you know, probably. You know, but day three is the fourth round. But uh, I was a little bit higher on Morgan. But there are other receivers that kind of passed him by. But uh, I'll tell you, the running back there, Divino Zigbo, is a guy to keep an eye on as well. I don't even think he was at the combine, was he, Todd? Was that Zigbo? So. Uh, no. Yeah, Chris, uh, Divino Zigbo can play. Uh, he runs hard. He's got a burst. Uh, again, there were some guys that weren't at the combine. Khalil Hodge, the linebacker at Buffalo. Your boy, Penny Hart, right? Yeah, you know, what the hell was with that? I don't know. Here's a third round pick. I've got a third round grade on the yeah. guy. Yeah, I don't get Penny. If you're Andy Isabella and Penny Hart, what's separating the two? Track Not a speed, lot. I guess. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, Penny Hart is going to go. Day two, probably at worst, early He's day. A Georgia three. State slot receiver yeah, for who had a great Senior Bowl week. Okay, great Senior and, Bowl, and didn't have the game. In the game, Isabella outplayed hard because he had opportunities and he did a really good job there. He got the Raiders like shield the on the helmet. But uh, you know, to me, I look at, at Divino Zigbo running back Nebraska. Uh, more so than even Stanley Morgan, I think he's a guy that I would want on my team as a as a running back. You can steal probably in the fifth, sixth, seventh round. All right, Todd's got to get out of here so I can. So I can hear hear you say his name five more oh, times. Yeah. Yeah. There's oh, certain yeah. names that, you, that just ring off your out of your yep. mouth, Kuiper. So I'm last glad, last like question, real quick. We'll get out <laughs> get out one one name, one or two names apiece. Uh, multiple questions on this, but uh-huh. small school prospect uh, that stood out to you. Just another guy, a, a name most people haven't heard that went to the combine and showed up. Who you got, Mel? I'll go Corey Ballantyne from Washburn. I liked him during the year. He ran, I think, I don't know, 4-4-7. He's got good size. He held up at the senior bowl practices fairly well, uh, for coming from Washburn. Didn't seem like he was overwhelmed there. Uh, yeah, he can play and he's got versatility on special teams. So I would say Corey Ballantyne from Washburn is a guy that I think has, has held his own, more than held his own during the draft process. And I would think, uh, you know, early day three would be a nice pick. What about you, Todd? Um, I'm trying to think that there was a tight end that I liked. The San Jose State kid had a really good week. Josh there's Oliver, a, cu- there's a couple. There's a question. I got one sent to me, and then there's one about Texas Kale Warren. Keenan Brown. Keenan Brown. Yeah. Sorry. Keenan Brown to me was a guy who, who stood out. His numbers weren't great. But he caught the ball well, looked really athletic, did a great job in the um, in the gauntlet drill. We watched the tight ends mm-hmm. together, Mel. You, yep. Yep. I remember the t- Texas State guy. He's only 6'2 250. He's got long arms, though. So average speed. He does have long arms. He caught the ball extremely well. He just, for someone you could probably get sixth, seventh round, uh, he, he intrigued me a little bit. Mm-hmm. I think we just did a full-hour podcast after the combine, and that was the first time I had down Mel saying long arms. <laughs> which shows which shows some growth and DK Metcalf was almost at 35 inches. I didn't even bring that up. I didn't want us to get down that road, guys. I think we I think we got through about a hundred names here. Ballpark. Yeah, and we Todd, can't wait. Nice. And we can't wait for tomorrow because Todd unveils Mach 3.0 after the combine, prior to free agency. We're going to be doing TV all day. McShay's on from 7 a.m. to 10 p.m. tomorrow night, doing everything, awesome. every show, every every platform. I, and I, I, I cannot wait for 30. this mock, Todd. I finished the Patriots pick at 32 at 2.29 p.m. Eastern time, which was one minute before we came on this podcast. Wow. So it is locked in. I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to work out. I'm going to, I'm going to breathe a lot today so I can deal with you tomorrow. 
Go be with my kids tonight, and I'm mm-hmm. going to wake up at six in the morning, head to the studio, and we're just going to we're going to have some fun all day long. I yeah, like it because it. tomorrow night at like eight, Todd is just going to be like four diet cokes, two take fives, a rice krispie tree, and just <laughs> hates life. Sweating, sitting in the studio. <laughs> Yeah, this is exciting. All right, guys, that was the combine recap. Um, we'll do it again next week. No mock talk this week. We'll let TV just ruin Todd. Guys, it was fun to see you in Indy. Josh, I know that was emotional for you. It was. I enjoyed it. All right. Well, we'll do it again next week. I'm Chris, Mel, Todd, Josh. That was fun. Thanks for listening to First Draft. For more great podcasts, check out ESPN.com slash podcenter.